Thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Marije Groen. In today's episode, disruptive innovation is not only about new disruptive technologies. It's also about the disruptive business models that are facilitated by innovation. However, identifying the companies that could potentially dominate future industries is not easy. That's something we'll discuss today with Portfolio Manager Pamela Hegarty of BMP Paribas Disruptive Technology Strategy. Pamela, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for your time. Great to have you. Before we start talking about uh, the disruptive companies that could potentially shape the investment world in the coming years, would you mind briefly introducing yourself to our listeners? Sure. I'm the portfolio manager for the fund, but also uh, the uh, technology analyst for the U.S. equity team in the Boston office. I've been with BNP for about four years, but I have almost 25 years experience in the industry. Right. And, and you're currently in Boston, right? You're working from home That's or correct. are you in the office? We are, cur- we are currently still working from home uh, and we'll be slowly returning to the office probably in a few months. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks so much for joining. Uh, let's kick off with quite a simple question. What are disruptors? So I would say uh, disruptors are, uh, from a company perspective, it's companies that are enabling or adopting uh, disruptive technologies. And it's really all about digital transformation. So anything that contributes to the ability of a company to create a new business model or to improve its existing business model. And so we're very focused on um, looking for innovation wherever it's happening in the economy. Hmm, Right. Uh, Now, I believe a well-known investor, his name was John Templeton, once said that it is impossible to produce superior performance unless you do something that is different from the majority. Is that maybe what disruptive technology is all about? Well, it's it's I think it's part of of what we're talking about, because, you know, as I mentioned, disruptive technology is really about looking for innovation and innovation means change. And typically when things change, there's usually an opportunity to make good returns on, you know, from investing. Uh, And so we're very much focused on um, several things that differentiate our approach. Uh, one is we're very much a thematic approach. So we concentrate on key themes, including cloud computing and others. Uh, we build a very concentrated portfolio. So we put a lot of conviction into the stocks that we like. Uh, we go across sectors. So we look for technology even outside of the technology sector. Uh, and we have full ESG integration. And so you know, uh, we do try, not only are the companies trying to do something different when they, when they uh, lead in these innovations, but we're also trying to do something different from a uh, portfolio perspective. Right. But you already briefly mentioned uh, sectors. And if you type in Google uh, about disruptive technology, you find, you know, different answers like across five different sectors. Is the trend really that broad and that comprehensive? Uh, it really is, because when we talk about disruptive tech or digital transformation, we're including um, things like e-commerce, uh, you know, online shopping, and many of those leading companies are obviously in the consumer uh, sector. We're also talking about automation, and quite a few of the important companies are in the industrial sector. 
uh, in healthcare, it's everything from advanced genomics to healthcare monitoring, uh, medical devices, you know, that can help track people. And so we don't want to be limited uh, just by investing only in the tech sector. Right. So it's, it's really very broad. Um, let's maybe take a look at current affairs. Um, the global lockdowns have accelerated the adoption of new disruptive technologies. Uh, in which of the sectors, maybe the sectors you just mentioned, do you see the biggest changes? You know, uh, definitely uh, carrying on with uh, the e-commerce theme is, is one where clearly those of us who have been subjected to, you know, lockdowns or social distancing efforts um, have really been, uh, you know, forced to learn how to shop online and to increase that type of uh, purchase activity. And so I think some of the uh, e-commerce growth, even here in the U.S., where we've had Amazon as a leading company for many years, uh, you know, something that was growing 12 or 13 percent a year um, in uh, one estimate is that in Q2, it was up about 45 percent year over year. Uh, and uh, so it's really, um, you know, taking hold and related to that is all of the uh electronic payment and contactless payment. So in Europe, uh, you're probably a little more used to that than we are here in the U.S., but it's really taken off in the U.S. as well. And the other really important thing is is for all this work from home, but also learning and, and entertaining from home, it really um, has shown a spotlight on cloud computing. And so behind um, all these uh, video conferencing applications uh, that enable us to collaborate, is uh, is the cloud, and so we have you know definitely uh, seen um, a step increase in adoption of cloud computing as well. Yeah, as we are doing right this very moment, <laughs> it's all possible. Now, now, which of those trends that are accelerated by COVID do you also think that will persist after the pandemic is over? Hopefully. So, yeah, that's a great question. And I like to, whenever we meet with companies, I like to ask them, you know, what what they're planning to change. And just recently, I had a conversation with one of our portfolio holdings, and they're planning that, uh, assuming uh, 2021 was a normal year, that their business travel would be at 60%, 60% of what they did in 2019. And so, you know, they'll be resuming business travel once it's safe to do so, uh, but at a much lower rate because these this company has learned how to be more efficient and more productive using video conferencing and other collaboration tools. And even though uh, they're, they uh, must have high touch with their customers, they were saying, you know, maybe we just send fewer people on each business trip. So I think, uh, you know, that's an element. And I think a lot of companies might uh, be more flexible with working hours. And I think a lot of people, um, one of the trends here in the U.S. is uh, people who can afford to do so are actually moving out of the city, buying houses uh, in the suburbs. And uh, with the thought that um, they won't have to commute five days a week in the future, maybe they'll only have to go into the office two or three days a week. So, so that means that a lot of this uh, technology uh, in the background, um, you know, will be at a heightened level of, of use going forward. Now, that said, we've clearly had, you know, a big uh, splurge in, in buying to support some of these efforts. So we're also watchful for any kind of, you know, level, leveling off of that, of that demand as well. 
Uh, but I do think that, you know, the trends we're following um, have been accelerated and uh, will stay at a, a high level. Right. And are there any specific trends that we should follow just for the coming months? Or do you think they are all sort of related? Yeah. So for the coming months, uh, it's quite there's actually quite a bit of uncertainty, I would say. Uh, if you think of COVID-19 itself, there's quite a few efforts internationally to come up with vaccines. And I think, um, you know, we can't really uh, return to normal economic activity uh, with confidence until until we have uh, vaccines that are hopefully safe and broadly distributed. Um, we also have a big election coming up here in the U.S. Uh, in November, and that's going to have major implications for Um, not only our future response to COVID-19, uh, but also for taxes, uh, for regulation of some of these tech companies, uh, and also for trade. And so, you know, uh, stay tuned. And um, I would say there's an element of uh, uncertainty. And so we're being, you know, but we're cautiously optimistic uh, because we know that the trends that we're following uh, are very long-term trends uh, that will continue. Right. So that's your strategy for the longer term, right? Yes, yeah, so I would say, you know, the the key part of the strategy is our investment strategy revolves around finding sustainable companies uh, with enduring competitive advantages uh, that are levered to one of our key themes uh, and that are trading at attractive valuations. And so when we say a sustainable company, we're looking for companies that have Uh, good financials, so a strong balance sheet, the ability to uh, persist through a period of time like now where they might have lower demand in certain parts of their business, um, but also sustainable from an uh, environmental, social, and governance uh, effort. So, you know, we want companies at a minimum that are doing no harm from an ESG perspective. Um, and then enduring competitive advantages. So, you know, a lot of companies are levered to cloud computing, artificial intelligence, automation, the Internet of Things, some of our major themes. But we're really looking for those that have some kind of competitive advantage. So they have barriers to entry, uh, brand equity, uh, intellectual property uh, that can help them be better than the competition. And uh, we're also very um, sensitive about uh, valuation analysis as well. Okay. And why is that? So, you know, uh, just on the valuation front, yeah. so, you know, uh, it's, um, it's extremely important because there is so much um, excitement about uh, the fact that tech and in some cases our healthcare holdings are solutions to COVID-19 uh, that in some cases, you know, some of the stocks have become, have had uh, elevated, elevated valuation. And so we still think it's possible to uh do, you know, um, traditional um, bottoms-up fundamental research to study the financials of the company, uh, the future cash flow generation, and come up with a valuation, uh, either using discounted cash flow, but also comparing the company to its competitors as well as to its uh, its own history. Mm, right. Now, the, the tech giants who are cur currently dominating the indices uh, would have never been identified using traditional valuation uh, metrics. How do you identify the most impactful themes and the best positioned companies while avoiding those that fail to adapt? 
Yeah, so um, there's there's actually two parts to that question. And first, on, on the valuation side, um, I actually think it is possible to use traditional valuation uh, metrics. And so uh, we build, you know, uh, an earnings model with a balance sheet and cash flow analysis, and we do the discounted cash flow analysis. Um, oftentimes, a company may look very expensive on a price-earnings ratio, but really what's happening is perhaps that the earnings in the in the near future will be much higher than they are uh in you know for the next year yet let's say and so the com- in that case the company might grow into that valuation um and then by looking more at cash flows than earnings in many cases particularly for cloud computing companies they earn they actually generate cash uh, before they earn uh accounting earnings and that's because there's a lot of deferred revenue involved so they uh, they may not be allowed yet to recognize the revenue from an accounting perspective, but they're get getting paid by the customers. So you can see that in that cash flow analysis. Um, and then the the broader question, though, about you know um, how we're you know kind of managing um, identifying the themes and and uh, identifying avoiding. the themes. Yeah. So you know we really are looking for the themes that have a lot of impact today. So we have settled on cloud computing. Um, automation, which includes robotics, but also software-based automation, the Internet of Things, and uh, also artificial intelligence as our main themes, because uh, they have measurable impact today. Um, And so the most important thing we do is to try to match um, companies that are best uh, leading or benefiting from the use of those technologies. And that's where the tr- more traditional uh, fundamental analysis comes in. Hmm. And, and how do you then distinguish the one that you think are failing? What, what are your, how do you observe yeah. that? <laughs> and that's actually a very good point because um, these disruptive technologies are leaving behind some of the legacy tech. And so it, it can often be difficult because some of the older technology companies are quite profitable and generate a lot of cash because there's a long um, tail, like they have a very uh, dedicated installed base of customers, but you can see that they're not, um, they're not attracting new customers. And so that, that would be one of the red flags that we would look for. And you can also understand the industry dynamics and see that some of these um, other companies are gaining share. So one of the things that we do is we actually monitor private companies as well, even though we can't directly invest in them until they go public. Uh, they often have quite innovative technologies that are hurting some of the older legacy tech companies uh, that are around. And COVID-19 has made it more difficult because one of the um, side effects has been it's easier to continue to buy your existing technology, and it's harder to try out new things. So in some cases, the the work from home, the, re- um, the remote desktop functionality is being bought by um, from legacy cus- companies who have, you know, historically been strong in that area, because uh, some of the customers aren't in a position to try out the new technology. So it's kind of uh, given a little bit of life to some of these older techs. <laughs> right, right. So um, we're getting already at the end of the interview. Uh, a final question: uh, Big tech stocks are key holdings of the BNP Paribas uh, disruptive technology strategy, and paradoxically, big tech is both disruptive as well as monopolistic. Are you worried about that in any way? Does that worry you? 
Yeah, we definitely um, pay attention to those concerns. And I think in some cases, like social media or perhaps internet search, there is um, perhaps a natural monopoly in the sense that the bigger the, the system is, um, the, actually the better it is for consumers. So we all benefit from a social media where we can find uh, and meet new people or find old friends, you know, from, from school and so forth. And so the bigger that network is, the better that network effect is, the more powerful the company becomes. And it's, you know, the, the issue though, is sometimes that actually is not, it's both good and bad. It's good for the customers, but it may be bad for competitors. Um, and so, and you also want to sort of regulate, you know, that behavior. So I personally believe that we will see regulation uh, either way that the U.S. election uh, turns out, because I do think it's a bipartisan issue, one of the few bipartisan issues in the U.S. And so we're very cautious about, you know, the position sizes that we might hold of some of the larger companies uh, in light of where we view their regulatory risks to be. Um, so it's uh, it's something to watch. Um, but, you know, I I would also say that there's a lot of small companies that have a ton of innovation. And I think we have um, a relatively balanced approach where we own a lot of small to mid cap names uh, that are emerging as, as future leaders as well. Well, we, we'll all keep a close eye and, and closely follow the, uh, the developments in terms of the election in the United States. Thank you so much for joining us today, Pamela. It was a real pleasure to have you. Thank you so much and appreciate your interest. I would like to thank today's guest, Pamela Haggerty, Portfolio Manager of the BNP Paribas Disruptive Technology Strategy. This podcast about investing in disruptive technology is offered to you by BNP Paribas Asset Management. It was recorded as part of a series dedicated to the Fonts Event 2020 Strategy Shift. Please visit fontsevent.nl for more podcasts about the best investment ideas post-COVID. If you'd like to know more about investing in disruptive technology, please check out the website of BMP Paribas Asset Management, bmpparibas-am.nl. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as on publication date.